like my first musical memory as a kid, Jesse, was uh, – do you remember the song um, Bad, Bad Leroy Brown, Jim Croce? Sure, absolutely. I was – I think I was – I think I was four years old maybe when that came out, and I used to listen to that, and it had a curse word in it. Um, baddest man in the whole, you know, beep town. And yes. I remember asking, I remember asking my mom, mom, I love this song. Can I say this curse word? <laughs> and she, she said, well, since it's in a song, yes, you can. So I was like this four year old or five year old with the freedom to curse. And it was the greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> Welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me tonight is, is this is going to be a good one, Matt McGee and I have already spent 20 minutes talking before I hit record. Right. Uh, if you if you support me on Patreon, this will be one of the unedited episodes you get uh, because he and I have already had a discussion. Uh, Matt McGee, welcome to the show. Jesse, thank you. It's uh, I'm super looking forward to this. Uh, this is going to be very, very fun. Thanks for inviting me to come on. So tell us a little about yourself. Give us your elevator so- pitch. Sure. Uh, my elevator pitch. I am uh, an old man. I am 51, I think. I think I turned 52 later this year. Um, so getting up there in age, longtime music fan, married uh, for 28 years, have two kids. I uh, grew up outside Philadelphia, um, Bruce Springsteen country. Absolutely. Uh, but but then, then went to college on the West Coast and decided that that was where I wanted to stay. And that's where I've been the rest of my life. Um, let's see. Career wise. Uh, former TV sportscaster, uh, worked in journalism and marketing for like the first 25 years of my Where were you business a career. At? I was a sportscaster in, when you, when you do sportscasting, you start out in small towns Absolutely. and the idea is that you're going to work your, you know, work your way up to the big markets. And so I started in a tiny little town called Bishop, California, then went to Twin Falls, Idaho, where I was the weekend sports guy at the CBS station. Then here to Tri-Cities, Washington, which is on the eastern side of Washington, where I was the sports director for the CBS station. And then I got out of sportscasting okay. in uh, 1997. So, right. so yeah, um, and, and now I work for a real estate startup called Homelight, and uh, my wife is a real estate agent. Um, let's see, musically, so musically, uh, I was a monogamous U2 fan from like 1983 until about a couple years ago. Yeah, so, and we're going to talk about that. You, you, you and you two had a little breakup. I mean, we did I mean, have a little breakup. I mean, you yeah. two's, I mean, you two's sleeping on the couch right now. Doesn't mean you've divorced <laughs> them, but for right now, you two's on the couch, right? And I, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. They may have been kicked out of the house for oh, good. For all okay, I can, I'm, okay. I'm not, I'm not sure. We, yeah, we can get uh, into that. So we're going to talk a little but, bit about but, that. Yes. Yeah. So just to and, and just to explain the level of fandom, um, like I published a book about them, the two editions of it uh, called U2, A Diary. Um, you know, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, I ran the number one U2 fan site in the world from it started in 1995 and then I left last year. But the other people are still keeping it going. Used to do a U2 fan podcast. Um, 
And then a couple years ago, I discovered a band called Gang of Youths who happened to be huge Bruce Springsteen fans themselves. And uh, now Gang of Youths is my musical world. So, yeah, it's been kind of kind of crazy. <laughs> that is awesome. And just as I pull back the curtain, um, you know, I am always looking for guests in different ways. I, in, um, I spent a one-year um, Matt as a life insurance agent, and um, it was the worst year of my life. And um, and you're just always prospecting. You're always looking for your next client. Um, I have now done that. That's what a podcaster is. If you are a guest-driven podcaster, uh, like okay, like I do other podcasts where I talk about uh, Doctor Who and and Star Girl and Game of Thrones, and then you have an episode to discuss every week. But if you interview people, you are constantly looking for who's my next guest. Um, there is a Facebook page where. Find a guest, give a guest. You know, like you leave a penny, take a penny, be a guest, find a guest. And I right. put in saying, hey, anyone who's passionate about music, would you want to join me? And, oh, by the way, if you want me to join you on your podcast, I'd love to join you. And you reached out, and I'm so glad you did. Well, thank you. I it was I am very passionate about music. I, uh, Yeah, I mean, I could talk about this, you know, for quite a bit. And and I, I mean, I have such respect for you and what you've been doing for years with this podcast because having done the YouTube podcast, it can be really tough to find guests. And I, I'm, I have a sense that maybe Bruce is a little more consistently active than U2 was. Like U2 would go like five years between albums sure. and tours, and and you're like we we used to run out of things to talk about and guests to have on. And so, like, just much respect for you and what you're doing. And oh, um, and yeah. You. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward. I think one of the things that um, – and, and and I think you two might be to a certain, but the fans I tend to find are people that are passionately – it is a personal connection with Bruce. Bruce and his music as mean a lot to his their lives, and so um, getting people to share that is a little bit um, versus and, – and there are other Springsteen podcasts that are really good uh, that – discuss more of his musical themes and and his history and the, and the shows i tend to just focus on people and and so i appreciate it it's nice uh september will be five years so that's a lot of bruce talk good for you <laughs> yeah. that's fantastic all right matt <laughs> i always like to start at the beginning talk to me growing up you mentioned you grew up in the philly area but what was when matt was a wee lad what kind of music were your parents listening to? What did you grow up listening to? <laughs> um, you know, I, my dad wasn't much of a music fan, as I recall. I, I, I recall having to ask my mom, actually, at one point, what kind of music he liked. And she said, you know, the crooners, you know, Frank Sinatra, Nat King Cole, that sort of stuff. My mom was very much into the singer-songwriter type thing, Um Janice Ian and like my first musical memory as a kid, Jesse was. Uh, do you remember the song um, "Bad Bad Leroy Brown"? Jim Croce. Sure, absolutely. I was. I think I was. I think I was four years old, maybe when that came out, and I used to listen to that, and it had a curse word in it. Um, baddest man in the whole, you know, beep town. And yes. I remember asking. I remember asking my mom, Mom. I love this song. Can I say this curse word? <laughs> and she she said, well, since it's in a song, yes, you can. So I was like this four-year-old or five-year-old with the freedom to curse, and it was the greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> so I, 
before I hit record, or before we officially started, I told him how long we talk will depend on tangents and how much I talk. Um, I have to share this story, though, and as I shared, Matt, if I was a better editor, I would edit this out, but it, it's too perfect. So um, I have a son. He's 31. Um, due to a couple things and COVID, he's back at the house. And um, gotcha. so um, we were just wandering around, and he pulled up um, – WrestleMania, and I do not remember which WrestleMania, but it was the one at the Astrodome in Houston, and uh, it's Stone Cold and The Rock, and as Chris says, it's when Stone Cold turned heel. So it's it's a classic WrestleMania, but the story he wanted to share is that I had taken him because we he was like in junior high, maybe, you know, not even maybe fifth or sixth grade. And um, I'd said, if you get all A's, I'll take you to WrestleMania. And he did it. And so we went down and it was a guy's trip and we had a great time. But the question he asked it, he still remembers is um, all these people are shooting the bird at you oh, know, the F you sign at, you know, Austin. And so my little 19 year old son, can I do it? Can I do it? Yeah. And so, <laughs> So I'm picturing you like, oh, can I say that word? <laughs> you know, it's right. So, oh, that's right? great. That's awesome. Yeah. That's uh, that's my that's my first musical memory. So. That is a great musical memory. Um, <laughs> as you started growing up, like in high school, junior high and high school, what what did you find yourself being drawn to? What what was the music that you were listening to? Um, that would have been like. Gosh, the late 70s, early 80s. Um, high school for me was, I think, gosh, what would have been like 82 to 86. So I, you know, the police, I remember how I used to have, you know, police posters all over my wall. Um, I had men at work posters all over my wall. And then, like, so like 1981 is when, um, U2's first album came out and I heard I Will Follow on the radio in Philadelphia and I liked it, but I wasn't like, you know, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread or anything. Um, but then 1983 when they put the war album out and New Year's Day and Sunday Bloody Sunday, you know, the big songs on that obvious, uh, that album, obviously that's, I was just like hook, line and sinker. I'm done. That's it. I don't need to hear another band. I'm all in with these guys. Um, what about and so, that yeah, spoke so, to you so much, Matt? Um, that it wasn't – there was, there, there was for me like more depth to the, the songs and the, the, the lyrics and they seemed to have like a purpose and something deeper going on than, a, you know, Men at Work was – it's, you know, who can it be now? And you come, you know, Vegemite sandwiches and down under, right? It's, you know, it's all pretty shallow surface type stuff. And I guess, I guess I was just ripe for something that was deeper and had more meaning, I guess. There was an article – they, there was an article in, uh, Rolling Stone around, um, gosh, it was 19, early 1985, and they had, they put U2 on the cover and said, you know, uh, band of the 80s or whatever. And in this article, it said, I remember the line is like in the, you know, second or third paragraph of the article, and it said, you know, for some, for a lot of people, U2 is the only band that matters. And I was like, yep, that describes me to a T. And so, yeah, it was just, it was just that there was a, you know, like a depth to it. There was there was meaning. There was intention. There was purpose. 
<clears throat> so I am a casual YouTube fan. I, I certainly recognize their greatness. Um, tend to um, own their greatest hits. Um, would um, on my list of regrets is when they've toured, I've not gone and seen them. Um, I make the argument that every year at the Super Bowl, um, being a Bruce Springsteen fan, you know, people are constantly posting the his halftime performance and making the argument it's the greatest halftime performance of all time. I, <laughs> right. even though I'm a classic um, Springsteen fan, I go, um, Prince and YouTube might have something to say about that. And, okay. and from my perspective, I, I would vote for you too because of the 9-11 connection and how powerful that was. I right. remember feeling that way. And when they are showing the, the victims and he takes his jacket and shows the American flag, you know, it, that was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and, and what's interesting too is that I I think you're like you're sort of like the flip side of what I used to be because I would consider myself I mean like if somebody were to ask me about Bruce like if if a coworker were to come up to me and say you know hey do you like Bruce I'd be like all in I'd be like yes I you know I love Bruce and you know I've got some of the albums and but I think compared to you I would certainly be a, a casual fan and like you I have never that like one of my great regrets is that I've never seen Bruce and. Yeah. A couple times over the years, I've had the opportunity, and I don't even remember why. And you know, so now you know, Bruce is getting older in age, and I'm getting older in age. I'm, I'm just, you know, am I going to have another chance to do this at some point? I sure hope I do. Yeah, I, I have the same feeling, right? Like, just I'd never taken the time to see you two. It's either too expensive or something, and um, and and I, I would like to do that. One more YouTube comment, and then I'm going to ask you something else. But. Um, okay. So there is another podcast that I, I'm going to steer you wise that I think you would be a great guest for. It's called Music Talks. And okay. uh, Terry Smith is the host. And the premise is, I think, a fascinating premise, is pick a song from every decade you've been alive. Oh, wow. The reason I'm bringing okay. this up is my 90s choice was one by U2. Oh, okay. Because I think that is such a powerful song. I think, yeah. I think when they're good, they are almost biblical. I, I had a guest, uh, Kevin Hyder, who is a singer-songwriter, just a couple weeks ago, and his episode came out, and he actually did a a song, an album called Ohio, which is songs of Springsteen in the style of Nebraska, but him doing them very low key and he said that Dave, he said that Bruce is like David he writes modern psalms right and and I think that certainly you two when they're good they they speak to me that way yeah I know I I, I agree with you 100% and that I there's actually I mean to, the psalms comparison is interesting that you would bring that up cuz there's actually a a group, I don't know how active they are now, but many years ago, I would say probably 10, 15 years ago, um, I had connections with a number of pastors and preachers all over the country, all over the world, frankly, mm -hmm. who would preach on U2 as part of their Sunday sermons. There's even a book that I might, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and I don't know if I can see the title, but it's called Preaching U2 or something like that. And it's very much 
what you just said that you know there that some of these lyrics are like psalms yeah i mean totally totally relate to that totally relate to it yeah i i bet that would be interesting can you put in words why you two lost their glow Oh gosh, I I uh, was afraid you were going to ask this. If you this. don't want to talk about it, we can just say <laughs> no. It's, it's too it's, painful. It's it's not. I mean, it's not a matter of don't want to. It's a matter of I'm not sure I understand it, frankly. Because okay. um, I have been asked a number of times, you know, in the last year, like. So, okay, so this is going to sound like so freaking conceited, and it's That's not okay. at all because I'm not that way. But when, but when I left, when I announced that I was leaving the, the, at U2, the fan site that I started, like, it was like, it was kind of a big deal. Like, fans were like, oh my gosh, why is Matt leaving this site that he created in 1995? You know, he's been a fan forever, blah, blah, blah. And so, like, a lot of times over the last year, like on Twitter or wherever, people ask, you know, why did you, why are you not a U2 fan anymore? And I don't know how to explain it. It's, um, it's a combination – if I had to take a stab at it, and this will be the first time I've ever publicly tried to explain this to anybody because every anytime anybody asks them, like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's like – so it's a combination of like some of it's the band themselves. Like the, the last album and couple tours just didn't speak to me at all. Um, so that's part of it. Some of it is the fandom itself. Like there's – I don't know how Bruce fandom is, but in U2 fandom, there's sort of a, I don't know, most 90% of U2 fans I think are awesome, but then there's, you know, a sub percentage that I think are not so awesome. And when you run a very visible fan site, you tend to hear from them a lot because they are complaining and saying things that you don't want to read and that, you know, just dragging you down kind of thing. Um but then it was also that that I changed too. It was you know my my mom died in uh, 2015 or my dad died in 2015. My mom died in 2017, um, and like that had a huge impact on me. And um, you know, being a huge music music fan, when something like that that happens, you turn you want to turn to music, you know, to sort of get you through and lift you up and hold you up. And I couldn't turn to U2 at that point because I was, like I said, I didn't didn't really care for the last album and the last couple of tours. Um, they weren't speaking to me in the way that I needed at that point in my life to be spoken to. Mm-hmm. Um, then plus all the stuff that was going on with you know the fans and the website and it was just it was just and and, and so I ended up in a sort of. I didn't realize it at first, and I hate to use the word depression because I know that there's a people in the world that have like really serious issues, um, mental health issues. But I ended up in a form of depression. Um, God, this is getting really heavy. I am so sorry. No, Jesse. no, no, no. Uh, I, it, it, so this is so, so, uh, uh, just to tell you, this is why when you asked, how long is your podcast? Just depends. And then I want to get back to, but like, I really know what you're talking about. The, there are two or three percent of Springsteen fans that really irritate me. And mm-hmm. that just, that, um, the people that were so angry at him, how dare he sell out by doing Broadway? And right. I'm like, look, the dude has played music all his life. And if he wants to go do Broadway, 
why don't we love him and let him do that? This is where you and I might disagree, right? Like Western Stars, that's his latest album. I adore it. A couple of people are like, that isn't the album I wanted. I needed him to do a political album. I get that. I respect that. He, you're mad. He's mad. You wanted him to be mad at Trump. That isn't what he wanted to do right now. And and if you don't like it, that's okay, and you can move on. But I think he's earned the right to do what he wants to do, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, and like in your case, if you, it's not like you're saying you two can't do that. You're just saying it's not speaking to me, right? Yeah, exactly. It was, and and and, and frankly, I, I'll like one of the reasons it wasn't speaking to me was because it was. You know, their last couple tours were too political. And yeah. that's a, an unpopular, that's an unpopular position to have in U2 fandom. Um, you know, I, I have no problem with U2's politics over the years. I, you know, I agree with the majority of it. Um, and I'm certainly not, you know, a Donald Trump fan in, in any means, didn't vote for him. Um, but I was going to U2 shows in the last, the last couple tours to get away from all that because I get all that every day on the news and on Twitter and on Facebook and on social media. And what I needed from you, too, was not to remind me how bad things were in the world, but to, like, sort of take me somewhere else. And they weren't doing that. And that was in in YouTube fandom. That was like a really unpopular opinion to have. And so, yeah, so like there were there were. You know, there were arguments and accusations and, you know, people saying stuff about me and, you know, you're not a U2 fan. And, you know, and just after a while, you're just like, oh, my gosh, I have been a U2 fan for for longer than you've been alive. Please, like, give me give me a break. And so, you know, that kind of thing just just wears on you. And and that, you know, that sort of just all played into it. Um, You know, the the, you know, to go a little deeper into the part about you two not speaking to me and I'll tie it into what I said about, you know, losing my parents. Um, You know, Bono had a uh, I don't what year it was. When did the last album come out? 2017, I think. So like 2015, 16, he had a health scare that the band, you know, did a really good job covering up. There was very little said about it in the media. Um, Nothing as far as I, I don't know, maybe something's been said since I stopped paying attention, but. At the time, it was just said that he had a a very serious health issue, but he's fine now. Um, but it was portrayed as, you know, it could have been a matter of life and death. And so there's a song on the latest album that they did called Lights of Home, which is the one song where he sort of talks about having this near-death experience. And then the rest of the album is him writing, you know, letters to his daughters and his friends, you know, you know, go out and change the world and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And I just to me, I needed more of the of the death related stuff just because of what I was going through personally with my parents. Um, that was the one song that spoke to me. But hearing him lecture more about, you know, changing the world and all this sort of stuff, I just wasn't up for it. I, it, it, it just it didn't speak to me in any way, shape or form. And so. Yeah, that I mean that all it sort of all that sort of stuff sort of rolled together and played together and I was just like, you know what? I got to take a break. I got to get away from this band and you know, this other band had come along that really did speak to me in the way I needed to be spoken to. And you know, I I it it sounds like I used to always be when I was heavy into U2 fandom, um, 
you know, there'd always be fans that say, you know, oh, well, you know, I want you two to do this and I want you two to do that. Why don't they write songs about this and why don't they write songs about that? And I was always, you know, hey, they're the artists. Let them do what they want to do. And it's up to you if you want to follow them. And I totally believe that. Um, but so the, the, then it, I mean, it sounds strange then for me to come and say, this is what I needed them to do. And they but, didn't do it. But you are you are putting your money where your mouth is. You are saying. I, I, what I've told other people is it's up to you to decide whether this is for you or not. And if it's not, right. you can walk away and you walked away. And, right, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't mean that you haven't loved their music in the past. And I'm curious, Matt, um, how long ago was this, do you think? How long, just roughly? How long ago was what? Yeah, when you lost your parents and you kind of felt this disconnection of their music uh it would have been i mean my dad my, my dad's death was 2015 my mom's death was 2017 their album was 2017 the tours were 2017 and 2018 so so it's been two so or three yeah, years it's yeah it's been a few years yeah have you gone back and revisited and see if it's you've changed or and you like it more or you're just that's that's a door that's closed for now. I have not listened to a U2 song since May 23rd of last year. Okay. <laughs> and I know, and I actually know the date. And 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 yeah, I think it's because that portion of my life I I connect so strongly with the mental struggles that I was going through and just sure. dealing with, you know, losing my parents and all this stuff. I'm I think I think you know, if I'm being honest, I think I'm semi afraid that that hearing one of their songs will just reopen all that, you sure. know, and I don't I don't want that to be reopened. So at least I'm not at least not yet. No, that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And also when you throw in, um, you know, I'm kind of I don't hang around um, Springsteen, Bulletin Boards. Um, I, I spend a little time on a couple of the Facebook groups, but mostly just when I have a new episode posting or when I'm looking for guests and um, because I have been involved in a lot of fandoms and it never, it, it always means there's squabbles. There, there just always is. There is, you know, I do a doctor who podcast and people can't say that there's a woman doctor and, Oh, oh my that, gosh. You know that, <laughs> and that um, the Chris Chibnall, who's the new showrunner is just running doctor who. And, but, but Stephen Moffat, who was the showrunner before he was running doctor who. And before that, Russell T Davis was running doctor who. And um, there is always this, there is, can be such a vocal negative, in yeah. many cases, minority, and so I could see um, that tangledness that you're going. I just, it's okay, but when there's darkness, often a beam of light comes in, like the road <laughs> to Damascus, Damascus, right? You're, 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 you're uh, Saul driving around, and all of a sudden a beam of light hits you, and you become Paul. And you found a new band. I did, yes. I love them so much, and they are huge Bruce fans. And and it's fun. It's, it's, and and ironically, it's actually you two that introduced them to me because, you know, when you when you run a big you know a big fan site for a band, you know, I sign up for for years. I've you know I get Google alerts, you know, news alerts for you two for Bono's name for the whole band. You know, so anytime any one of them's in the news, I get the the email, you know, with the alert. 
And um, it was April 22nd, 2018, and, and a news alert came in that said um, it's, a, it's a Rolling Stone. There we go. It's a Rolling Stone article, and it says how gang of youths are living their dream of being the next U2. And I'm like, okay, that sounds kind of interesting. Now, back in the day, Jesse, I don't know if this happened in Bruce in Bruce's world or not, but back in the day, you couldn't avoid the phrase "the next U2." Like in the you know after the Joshua Tree and Octung Baby, like everybody was the next U2, right? And so it wasn't a big deal. But U2 hasn't been cool, you know, for about ten or fifteen years, like in popular music, right? Um, so to so to hear so so when I saw this headline, I'm like, oh wow, somebody's trying to be U2 now. And so I click through and I read the article uh, on Rolling Stone and it's David Fricky is the writer. And, you know, he's got a history with you, two. And I'm thinking, all right, if anybody can declare somebody the next you, two, I'll believe it from him. Um, and, you know, the article talks about, you know, this this Australian band. And, you know, it's like he mentions like stormy guitar anthems and spiritual crisis titles and all this sort of something like, wow, this sounds intriguing to me. So, yeah, so I just I went on either YouTube or Spotify or something and just searched for the name and started listening to, uh, whatever came up. And, um, and it was good. I mean, I liked it. It, it sounded a little like U2, some of the songs, some of it sounded like Springsteen, some of it sounded like Arcade Fire, some of it sounded like the national. And then I got to a song, um, called, uh, do not let your spirit wane. And just it like, have you ever had this, Jesse? Like, a, you just like, you're stop, like, whatever you're doing, you just have to stop. And it just, 100% of your attention is on what you're hearing and trying to process it. And that song just, it was like a tidal wave just hitting me. This, the song and the lyrics and everything. And I was just like, oh my gosh, who, you know, who on earth writes a song like this? And, you know, just what he was saying and it just, just totally spoke to me in the place that I was in. And yeah, so that, I mean, that was the beginning of this, you know, yeah, the, the Paul becoming Saul or Saul becoming Paul. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, and so the name of the band, I don't think you've said it yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the name of the band is gang of youths and they are from Australia. Uh, they've been around since 2012. Um, they have two albums and an EP. Uh, and, they are supposed they just signed uh, a year ago they just signed their first international record contract with uh, Warner Music and we were expecting their third album to be out by now but i think because of covid and everything i think that's been put on hold cuz you know obviously Warner's going to want them to put an album out and then go tour you know the world and try to you know build up their audience but they can't do that so so yeah gang of youths is what they're called um so- and yeah i just i love them to death so I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked before, and you've kind of talked to this a little bit, but why do you think it spoke to you so much? What, what, where was this? You had a void, and it filled it. Is that why? And do you think why it filled it? I think, I think that's very true, and and I don't even think that I knew that I had a void at that point, because um, I certainly didn't. Exp- it's not like I was sitting there thinking, boy, I need a new band or I need a new song or I need something to lift me up. It wasn't, you know, a real active search or anything. It's just that I came upon this suddenly from this this email, this news alert that came in and started listening. And and this the, the yeah, I mean, this song just sort of blew me away. Like there's there's 
there's lyrics that that just spoke like right to the core of my person. Um, there, there's a line. So uh, okay, and so 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 further part of that I didn't mention earlier. Part of the mental health issues that I was having was that for about I don't know ten or fifteen years or so, um, I started developing this incredible fear of dying. Okay. Um, like just like like beyond what you know. I, I think it's pretty normal for all of us to like walk around thinking you know, I'm not going to be here someday. That sucks. Right. Um, but for me, it got like, got to a point where like some days, like there were days where I literally could not work. Like I was so, um, inside myself and wrapped up inside this thing. Like you're going to die someday. You're going to die someday. And it just, it was like, it was just like, I was a wreck, like just thinking about this. Um, and so in this, and so, so, so I started like over time, I started shutting down and like I stopped doing stuff with friends and I stopped going to like, you know, when I was working in marketing, I had to go to a certain number of marketing conferences every year. I stopped going to all of them except the ones that I had to go to. So like there was nothing voluntary that I wanted, to, like I just wanted to be, you know, just like I said, I was, I was just like stuck inside myself. How? Um, so this, how was your wife and children doing during this? What I'm, I'm sure they're I, trying I, to help you as much as they can, but you know, fr- frankly, I don't think they even knew about it. That's really uh, because 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 that's part of the story uh, of after I discovered this band, I went back and told my wife about it, and you know, we were driving home from Seattle, which is about a three hour drive, and I was just like in tears the whole time telling her about the whole thing, and I made her listen to the song. But so 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 this song, it's you know, do not let your spirit wane is the one that just that blew me over. Like there's a there's a lyric in there that says. And it's strange. All the things that I've run from are the things that completeness could come from. And I'm like, God, I'm like, I'm getting shivers right now. Just like saying that to you on this podcast, like, like that, like that was just like, Oh my, that is it right there. And then at the end of the song, um, and by the way, the singer is a potty mouth. And so I won't, I'll, I'll be, I'll beat myself out here. Yeah. Um, but he, he, like, if you go look on Spotify or iTunes, like there's a lot of explicit next to, to, to some of the songs. So at the end of the song, there's the lyric, and this is the one that did it. He says, get the F out of your head if it says, stay cold and be deathly afraid. And that's exactly what I was doing to myself, right? For all these years of, you know, just being afraid of dying and then my parents dying and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, like I, 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 like I was afraid of living. And like, so that, I was just like, oh, that's it. That song, this is the one. Um, yeah, and so I, you know, I, yeah, I don't think my parents or I don't think my uh, wife or kids knew about it. We uh, a couple months after I discovered them, when I realized that they had become my favorite band. Like I said, we were driving home from Seattle after a real estate conference, and I told her, I said, "You got to listen to this song because this song means the world to me right now. Like I could, I don't know where I'd be without this song right now." And so, yeah, it was, it was very, it was, it was. They did. I mean, as you, yeah, did they fill a need? Absolutely, they filled a need. Did I know I needed it to be filled in that moment? Was I looking for it to be filled? Absolutely not. But that's, I mean, sometimes that's how it happens, right? You're just, you're not expecting it and it arrives and you're like, the road opens up before you and you're like, oh my gosh, I can see the light again. And it was, yeah, it was. It, it, right? I mean, it truly is the biblical story of, you know, um, you know, Saul on the road to Damascus, right? And, and he becomes Paul. Um, the reason, by the way, thank you for sharing so much of that. 
that's it's very real and it's very personal and I thank you for sharing um it made me think of a story though um there is a local Springsteen cover band or tribute band that plays and um you know and they don't there's they have a singer that looks a little like Bruce and he sounds a little like Bruce but mostly they just play his song for a sense of joy but the um, two brothers started it and one of them I was talking to him about you know what about this and he says I was going through depression he said you know in Thunder Road when he says you can hide neath your covers and study your pain make crosses from your lovers throw roses in the rain waste your summer praying in vain for a savior to rise from these streets he says I was literally under my covers and studying my pain oh wow till till I started listening to Bruce music and they helped me to heal yeah and and I, I, and I don't think it's an oversimplification to say there is, there is music and power in rock and roll, and any music at all. But I mean, there is something about that. It's something, whether it's, you know, it, whoever you love that much, and and it it can make your life better. It can give you hope when you're feeling hopeless. It can give you courage when you're feeling scared. And so. That's awesome. That's that's a great. Amen. Sharing. I totally, to- yeah. totally agree with you. And uh, and yeah, it's it's yeah, it, it can it totally can be life changing. And um, in this case, I mean, it certainly was for me. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, and I've said a couple times, like, uh, and I'm I mean, I'm glad I shared that. And and I appreciate you letting me share that. And um, I think it's the first time I've spoke. I, I've written some of that probably in the past. And you know, maybe you know, obviously, my wife and kids know about it. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be probably the first time that a lot of people, yeah, have have heard that. It's uh, yeah, it's just it's it's so crazy, and and that that's what I love too is that it can be, like you know, I, I'm sure there's you know an arcade fire fan who can say the same thing and has had his or her life changed by a lyric, and that it's you know like it that's all it takes, just one little lyric to hit somebody and change a life. That's isn't that amazing? It is amazing, and um. I once again I'm going to go on a tangent, but uh, Mark Evanier is a um, is a writer that um, he's written a lot of comic books. He actually spent um, a lot of his career. He was the executive producer and behind um, uh, Garfield the Cat, all the um, animated um, when Gar- the comics of that the the mm-hmm. comic the cartoons. And so, and he does a great blog. He he does an absolutely great blog. And he talked about that he was several years ago. He was going to Vegas, and um, his friend said, um, "I've got I've got comp tickets that are you know high roller tickets um, if you want them, but you you got to promise." You have to say yes or no. Well, who is it? But you need to tell me now because I don't want you mocking me. And um, he told her, sure, and it was Barry Manilow. And he <laughs> said, okay, I don't care. And so he went to the show, and there was a couple talking about that they fell in love to Weekend, weekend in New England. And that was their song, and they played it every year at their anniversary. And it is what reminds them of why they're in love. 
and Mark Evanier said, if, if I could ever write a song that meant that much to anyone, I wouldn't care about Grammys. I wouldn't care about Tonys. I wouldn't care right, about yep. gold records. If I could make someone's life that happy about a song I wrote, that would be enough for me. That would be amazing. I mean, yeah, that's just there. There, it's it's funny too. With with Gang of Youth, they have um his his the the lead singer story is very very. He's had a very difficult life. Um, you know, married a married a, a girl who had already had cancer. Um, they had a very rough marriage because she was sick and he was, you know, having trouble with dealing with that and alcohol problems and all that sort of thing. He tried to kill himself at one point, wrote a song about it called Magnolia, which is on their first album. And it's sort of like the song, like every, and he even says in the, in the, the song that, uh, June 3rd is to, uh, June 3rd, 2014 is the, the day he tried to kill himself. And, um, and boy, this is <laughs> depressing stuff. I'm sorry. No, but no, that's okay. the, 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 the song is, is him writing about how he's, you know, how he realized, you know, this is not what I'm going to do, right? This is, yeah. you know, you know, this is not what I want to do and how I want to, you know, to end my life that there's got to be more, that sort of thing. Um, and so that song has become, you know, a real, an anthem for a lot of Gang of Youth fans that have struggled with, mental illness and suicide and all that sort of stuff. And they celebrate every June 3rd, uh, you know, that's Magnolia Day and all that sort of stuff. And I see, you know, a lot of the, you know, there'll be, there'll be, you know, fans that tweet at the band. They're not really active on Twitter, but they'll be tweet, they'll, they'll tweet at the band every so often. And, and just some of the stories like, you know, I was going through X, Y, and Z, and then I heard your song and, you know, you saved my life. And I'm just like, I really wonder, you know, does the band see this and how do they, you know, how do they feel about it and how do they deal with the weight of that? Because there's, I mean, that, I mean, that's the other flip side of it. Yeah. It's got to be great to know that your lyrics are changing people's lives. But then I also wonder, like, is there like a, a, a pressure and a weight that they feel too? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not a, a singer songwriter, but, um, uh, you know, I think there has to be a little bit, gosh, way, way back, um, when Jimmy Carter was president. That's how long ago. Um, there was a, um, Doonesbury wrote a character, Jimmy Thudpicker, I'm going to get the last name wrong, but anyway, he's a musician <laughs> and he's visiting Bob Dylan and Bob Dylan is off panel. You never see Bob and, um, and Carter calls Dylan and, you know, and Jimmy is like, yeah, they're saying your voice of a generation, blah, 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 blah. And, and off camera dylan goes i was just trying to make it rhyme and jimmy oh. says now he tells us you know <laughs> uh and and um it's a funny joke but you also wonder um you know as the musician right i, I just was trying to tell the story and once again i'll, I'll go personal so 2015 2000 early 2015 and it took me nine months to find a job it was as hard. I mean, in in 2017, I got colon cancer, and that 2015 oh. nine months without a job was tougher than going through the chemo and cancer. I'm fine now, oh, wow. by the way. But that's. I mean, that's. Can you imagine nine months not having a job, just worrying about that? Yep. And so in November of 2015, 2016, I get the dates wrong. Um, Bruce had published his autobiography 
and he went down he he attended different bookstores and um he didn't sign the book in front of you um but you could stand in line they took your picture standing with him with your own camera and then when you walked off they handed you an autograph copy okay. so i drove down to austin texas and my audience is laughing because they have heard this story hundreds of times <laughs> is um i don't i i assume you're familiar with the godfather and uh, uh yes okay luca brocks at the beginning of the film where he keeps repeating to himself over and again what he's going to tell the don once he gets there on the behalf of your family's mm. you know daughter's mm. wedding you know he just keeps over and over again that was me i was luca Broxa in the car all the way to austin <laughs> okay bruce just what am i going to say what am i going to say what am i saying and so i wait hours and you get there and you get maybe seven seconds with him because they right. are moving this quickly. I mean, there are thousands oh, of sure. people in line. And he, um, you know, he, he shakes my hand. He puts his arm around me. Um, you know, I can't do a Bruce, but hey, man. And I said, Bruce, <laughs> last year I spent nine months looking for a job. And I listened to Better Days and Land of Hope and Dreams every day. And that's what got me through it. Oh, you got to say that to him? I got to say that to him. Now, oh, fantastic. I don't know if he heard it, but I have said, Matt, I have said over and over again, I needed to say it more than I needed him to hear it. Yeah, exactly. So um, I hope you get your chance one day to tell the guys, the gang of youth, what yeah, that I... song meant to you. Now, have they yeah. toured U.S.? Uh, they do. They they tour. They um. They have done – when they come to the U.S., they on their own tend to do small theaters, you know, okay. up to, you know, 1,000 or 1,500 people. They opened – I think it was late 2018. They opened for Foo Fighters okay. um, and, and, and earned a bunch of new fans from that. And then last year they toured both in Europe and in the U.S. Um, with Mumford & Sons and got a bunch of new fans from that too. They have not done their own, um, you know, big – headlining thing i mean they're they're just they're not at that level in this country if they were to play uh they are now based in london okay uh but they are that but they were formed in australia um if they were to play australia this year they could do they could do you know like basketball arenas they could do fifteen thousand, maybe twenty thousand seat arenas i mean they have won numerous uh aria awards that's like australia's version of the grammys you know they're they're on the radio all the time there um so yeah that's that's sort of the level they're at right now have you been able to see them perform i have seen them oh yes i have how many times (laughs) by the way Uh, i've got it wait before you answer um i'm gonna use the same preface that i do um, I say this before I ask this question about Bruce. The number of times you've seen Bruce, seen Bruce Springsteen perform is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. There are people that because they lived in New York or the New Jersey area growing up in the 70s have seen him hundreds of times. But I have had people on this podcast who've never seen him that are I would put their fandom and their passion for his and love for his music up against anyone. So that's it. Amen. I'm totally on board with you on and i could have said that five years ago on the youtube podcast about youtube fans so yes. totally on board with you on that um i have seen them three times the first time i saw them was last may so a little over a year ago at a festival in california and then this past september 
they did they while they were on tour with Mumford and Sons, there was like a four or five day break for some reason, and they did two shows at the Roxy in Los Angeles. Ooh, uh, I know, bet they, that they, was nice. They, the famous, yes, it yeah. was, and I'd never seen, I'd never seen a show there. I went to school in Southern California, but I'd never seen a show there. And, uh, so, you know, yeah, it was amazing to be in that room and see them there and, you know, just all the history and yeah. you know, right up close, you know, I think I was like second from the stage. So yeah, it was, it was a religious experience. So, um, is there, I asked this song a lot, um, to Bruce shows. So is there songs that, you haven't got to hear perform live that you would like to with gang of youth uh yes i mean i'm sure there are because here's the thing here's the thing about gang of youth is that their songs are really long like they're like the shortest they, they i think on their their last album was was 16 songs long and i think there were it's kind of an arty album and it's broken into four segments and there's interludes in between them and it's there's a lot in just like with bruce's music i'm sure there's a lot in gang of youth's music that if you want to go discover it you can right um but if you just want to listen to the songs and you know tap your feet and all that that sort of things too but like most of their songs tend to be 6 7 minutes long okay. they have they have one like the the one i mentioned earlier do not let your spirit wane usually runs about 8 minutes long they have another one that when they do it live it ends up being 10 minutes long so at these roxy shows um you know the the show is like an hour and a half long but it's only maybe i think it was like 10 or 11 songs cuz they the songs go on so long and then you know he talks to the audience and and that kind of stuff so yeah there there's there's a song on their first album that i love called radio face that i would love to hear live that i've never heard live um uh yeah there's yeah i I mean first off i just googled gang of youth springsteen and i showed 2018 they they covered i'm on fire we we need to talk about the Bruce fandom here, don't we? we, we yes. We... Yeah. So I talked to me get... a little bit about that, and then I want to know. Okay, my audience says, "Hey, I want to check out Gang of Use. Give me, um, give me a, a a guide. Like, okay, well, here's three or four songs, or here's an album. Talk to me. Lead us through um, Obi Wan Kenobi. How we can discover <laughs> this band." <laughs> Sure. Okay. So, so, so yeah, no, you're right. If, if you do a search for Gang of Youth Springsteen, you will see, um, some videos. You will find a lot of articles too, because they constantly get compared to Springsteen and U2 and The National. Those are probably the three most common ones. Um, and the reason for that is that the first album, the first album that they did, it's called The Positions. And it's, I mean, Look, if you, if, if somebody wants to start out with that album, go for it. Good luck. I find it to be a very difficult album because it's the album he wrote about the time, the, the marriage to his first wife when she had cancer and she was dying and they had to leave Australia to come to the U.S. for medical treatment. They couldn't afford to anything. You know, the, the bills were piling up. They were away from family, you know, halfway across the world. She was in poor health and just getting worse. It's a very thematically a very, very difficult album to get into. But this, the lyric writing is very similar to Bruce. It's, you know, it's storytelling and they're, you know, you know, we're, we're walking across the bridge and there's the lights of the city and, and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's, there's, there's definitely a, a lineage there or a relation there. Um, just just in his his lyric writing and 
he has said, and, and he being Dave, the lead singer who writes all of the songs and I think at least most of, if not all of the music, uh, certainly the band contributes to that as well, obviously, but he is the lyric writer. Um, he has said that, um, like his earliest influences, like he was born in 92 and he has said that like two of his early memories are, um, sweet child of mine. And Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, the live, the like a 1985 or 1987 live video clip of Born to Run of Springsteen. And he said he said that those two songs are the two that said that made him say, I need to do music. Um, I'm on fire seems to have a very he loves I'm on fire. They back in the day uh, when they were touring the first album, I apparently they covered I'm on fire a lot. And I don't know if that was the full band or just him. If you go on YouTube and search Gang of Youths, I'm on Fire, it'll be a version of just him playing solo on his electric guitar, singing I'm on Fire um, at a concert in New York, I think. Um, and then, and then, so, so, so in terms of, so, so, and, and so he has mentioned, men, you know, many times that, you know, Springsteen is like this, you know, it's, it's like this, he's like a monolith to him. It's like, it's this, 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 this great thing that he has looked up to, you know, since, since he was young. And, um, and so I would say if you were to start the, 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 the one song, did, I, I think I emailed this to you. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to, but the first song on their second album is called Fear and Trembling. And I so wish that you had license to actually play the song because it is like, it's one of my favorite songs and it is a wonderful song in its own right. But it sounds, I mean, and he's, I mean, it sounds like someone trying to write a Bruce Springsteen song, and he's made no secret that that's what he was doing. Because the first album, uh, he has said, you know, the 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 first album was, um, you know, very Springsteen-like in the storytelling, and then he wanted to use this first song as the second album as a sort of transition from what the first album was to what the second album was going to sound like. So the first, like, you know, minute or two is just like Thunder Road. It's just voice and piano for quite a while. Um, and then the band kicks in and the band even sounds like the E street band. Um, it, yeah, it's called, it's so fear and trembling is the song. And, and I think uh, if you're a Bruce fan, if nothing else, you will, you should hope you should say that's a good tribute to Bruce Springsteen. Um, I love it on its own, right? I love what the song says. Um, and I actually, uh, okay. So here you go. I, I found Dave, actually the, the singer, he, he actually talked about, Fear and Trembling, and this is what he said. He said, it's my ham-fisted tribute to Thunder Road, which is very thinly veiled. There's no better opening track for any record, musically or lyrically, than Thunder Road. Everything that I believe about good songwriting is there encased in that song, and it was a way for me to recalibrate Gang of Youth's new Go Farther in Lightness period, which is the name of the second album. So it's him sort of paying tribute to Bruce and starting an album with a Bruce... Wow. A Bruce song. So, okay. Yeah, big, big Springsteen fan. So, yeah, I, I think, I think there, I think some of your listeners should like this. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um. um oh, and, and let, let me, if I may, just let yeah. me add one more thing. So, because you mentioned, so a couple songs. If you, we were talking about I'm on fire. So on their first album, I think it's the third song. It's called The Diving Bell, and about two thirds of the way through. So you know, it's one of those songs that has a slow, steady build up. And about two thirds of the way into the song, instead of the big explosion that you would normally get from a rock song, it it it, it instantly transfers into 
I'm on fire with the tap, 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 tap drums. Wow. And, and it's, yeah, it, 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 the song, it just becomes I'm on fire. And I would just, I like, I would love to know if Bruce has ever heard that because it's, I mean, it's, it, like there's no question that it's a tribute to I'm on fire. So, yeah. <laughs> you have not even talked, are you currently doing a podcast? I am currently doing a podcast for my employer. So it, it it's not a music podcast. Okay. It is a real estate podcast. It's, geared for real estate agents and um you know so if there's any bruce springsteen loving real estate agents they are welcome to listen it's called the walkthrough and uh the company that i work for is called home light and it's just it's a it's a weekly thing you know i interview real estate agents and others that can you know talk about how they grow their business and you know how they market and all that kind of, kind of stuff that is a pretty clever name though thank you yeah we we, we do love the name we we spent quite a bit of time uh, as you can imagine, at you know, quote big company, we spend quite a bit of time yes. um, coming up with the right name, and so yeah, that one that one worked out well. You just talked about your your new uh, musical hero says that Thunder Road is um, one of the perfect ways to start an album. Um, There's no better opening track for any record, musically or lyrically, than Thunder Road. That's the quote. Yeah. Um, Bruce has said that it was an invitation to a journey. Um, yep. so it's time for the Mary question. So for those oh, of I am you, so excited. I'm so excited for this. So, uh, for those of you who have not listened to the podcast, um, thank you for listening. But, um, Jay Armstrong is a honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. And, um, every year he takes a couple of days and for his seniors, they take Thunder Road and treat it as a poem. They read the lyrics. They he goes over the imagery, um, what the song could be discussing, what they're, you know, what allusions and and references they're making. Um, it's compared to Robert Frost, "The Road Not Taken," and at the end of the two days, um, he looks at his class and he says, "Does Mary get in the car?" So Matt McGee, that is your question. <laughs> Does Mary get in the car? Uh, my answer to that is yes, and I'm going to take a long way to get to there, if I may. Um, I and I'm love going to, that. I'm, go I'm going to first begin, Jesse, by telling you that you have no idea the pressure that I felt <laughs> in trying to come up with an answer to this question. So, for 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 listeners that may not be aware of how this, like Jesse, you know, as Jesse, as you mentioned earlier, we arranged this over email, you know, within the last week or so, and Jesse sends me a list. You know, here's some of the things that I think we're going to talk about, and in the bottom of it, it says, "I'm going to ask you the Mary question," and Jesse includes very specific instructions, right? Listen to the song, read the lyrics, and tell me if Mary got in the car or not. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> because, you know, I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan. I know Thunder Road to some degree. I couldn't recite the lyrics or anything like that. I thought, wow, I don't know that I've ever considered that question. So, Jesse, literally Saturday night, it's an exciting Saturday night in Tri-Cities, Washington, this past Saturday, and there's nothing on TV. I spent – I think probably three or four hours researching the Mary question <laughs> online. <laughs> I was up until 1 a.m., Jesse, so researching. Tell me how you research this question. I think I think I I think I began with by searching Thunder Road Mary. Mm -hmm. 
And that probably didn't – that was probably too generic, right? Because that's just references to the lyrics or whatever. And then I probably went into does Mary get in the car? Does Mary climb in the car? Bruce Springsteen, Mary, you know, and just all these different questions. And it's it was so fascinating to me. It was like – it it it, it op- like I found blog posts, I found you know Spotify playlists dedicated to all of the Marys in Bruce songs. Um, just it was oh it was just it was the most and I wouldn't have spent three to four hours doing it if I wasn't fascinated by it because it's it was reminded me so much of U two fandom and the rabbit trails that you know a U two fan will go down to research a lyric or to study and and that sort of thing. Um, and then, and so then, so I, so I thought I had my answer. So as of Saturday night at 1 a.m., my answer was no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because I decided that uh, for a lot of the reasons that you said, oh, oh, so, and so then Jesse also sent me links to those two shows that you did within the past month, the one with Jay, and then the one where it was just sort of the collage of other replies to it, which I thought was fascinating to hear. Loved listening to that. So when I went to bed Saturday night, I thought no. And then last night, I decided to reopen the investigation. <laughs> oh my gosh! My heart, for lack of, for... my heart is singing out of joy. Thank you. <laughs> so so I reopened the investigation last night, and um, and you know I find out you, you know I, I find the storytellers videos on YouTube I find the MTV plugged concert on YouTube and the various clips from that and all that sort of stuff um I loved what I heard in sort of the some of the, your previous answers there was the one person who said that um the guy who said it's you know, he referenced western stars and he said there were a 100 marys I thought yes. that was a fantastic answer I agree um I loved the one I think you and Jay talked about it, and I think maybe a fan did too, where it was the idea that the listener is Mary, and if you keep listening, then yes, Mary gets in the car. I love the poetry of that. Yes. Um, but here's so, – so my answer is yes, and here's how I got to it. I watched two live versions last night. I watched the MTV Plugged, and I think the other one was Barcelona. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. And at the end of the song, he changes in those two versions. I don't know if he does this all the time. Maybe it's the only two he's ever done, and I just happen to stumble upon him. I don't know. He changed the, ly- the lyric to, we're pulling out of here to win, yes. instead of, I'm pulling out of here to win. Now, I tend to think, in general, that artists, music artists, discover more about their songs when they play them live. The more you play a song live you discover where the song eventually ends up the more you play it. I know that is certainly true with U2 songs over the years. Mm-hmm. Like the live versions of many of their songs are nothing like the album versions. Um, they reach their fullest and truest form live in concert. I really believe that for, is true for a lot of artists. I have to think it's true for Bruce because I know he's a very thoughtful artist and I know he's – you know, a master of the live show. And so if I think about this song reaching its truest form live, and then I am hearing that he's suddenly singing, we're pulling out of here to win, then to me, that tells me that she got in the car. Very nice. That is a great answer, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I know, and I know you also agree that she gets in the car. I do. I am an optimist. I am, I believe in happy endings. 
um, I believe. Um, the you know and and as we talked about, you you heard I can't remember who now, but um, someone said that it depends on if um, if the band does it or if he does it solo. And they right, said, yeah, I heard that too. It, yeah, because of the way it ended. So um, I I will. It it is. It is a great way to end the conversation. I mean, it just is because, um, and, and you were right, um, when Jay was on the show the first time, um, we just had a general discussion. And then he mentioned, oh, by the way, I do a class on Thunder Road. And I said, man, really, would you want to come on the podcast and basically do a summary of what you cover in that two days? He said absolutely, so he did, and and then he asked at the end. So now I'm going to ask you, Jesse, the same question I asked my students: Does Mary get in the car? And I went, Wait a minute, what what do you mean? I, I've never thought about that. Of course she gets in the car. The lyrics are: We're pulling out of here to win. He goes, If you actually look at the lyrics on the sheet, it's I'm pulling out of here to win. What? Oh, of right. she has to get. No, what do you mean? <laughs> um, and so I, I, so I'm at this. I'm at that Thunder Road, the Bruce cover band that's in Dallas, and it was they were. Um, it was after their set, and I said, "Oh, by the way, I've got a question for you guys. What um, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? What? I've never thought about it. So, um, so it is." Um, and and so now then it you know it most Bruce fans can come up with their own answer and they're very creative, but I always kind of set the people that are not or that are casual Bruce fans kind of set the idea. So I like your answer. I like your answer a lot. Okay, Matt. Thank you. After over an hour, what have I not asked you that I should have? Oh, I you know, um, I'll, I'll you, I'll let me. I'll just I'll just say I'll just to close up. You mentioned Western Stars earlier. Um, let me ask you a question about that because you said – I think you said that you adore that album, and it sounded like maybe a lot of Bruce fans don't. I adore it also. I um, – like it, it's the – I don't know that I'd – it may, it might be my favorite Bruce album, Jesse. I don't know. I just think it is so fantastic. And so I would love to know like there – you know, in the U2 canon – you know, there's some albums that, you know, fans hate this one and they yeah. love that one. Like like in, in U2 World, Pop was a very controversial album, 1997. A lot of fans absolutely hate it. Um, but, like, what is the general Bruce Springsteen fandom take on Western Stars? So, great question. Um, I think um, some people, some fans just don't like it at all. Um, and and I, this is where... You have to be careful because um, you can offend people without meaning to. So um, I, I say now, disclaimer, if you don't like Western Stars, that's fine. That's your choice. But I, there are at least a select few, and I'm sure the person who's listening to this, this isn't you, that they want another Born to Run. They want another Darkness on the Edge of Town. You know, they, 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 they don't want a different sound. They are not happy necessarily with magic or wrecking ball, you know. Right. So that's a small percentage. Um, other percentage of people that it's pretty good. It's kind of interesting, I think. Um, and then there is the other percentage, and someone like me, I, 
I, um, I'm a little bit older than you, but um, I grew up, uh, my parents loved Glenn Campbell, and that 70, you know, the, the songs of, of Jimmy Webb and that, that lush sound of the, you know, the Nashville sound of country music. And um, this is so different than anything he's ever done. I just adore it. And then it, it feels to me that it is a collection of short stories all set in the West that um, Elmore Leonard could have written, you know, the mm-hmm. creator of Justified, you know, the, the book that uh, the TV series, you know, the short yep. story mm-hmm. Raylan Givens, um, it, you know, or Zane Gray, you know, or Louis L'Amour even could write this collection of, you know, it's a collection of short stories all set in the West. And so I, I love, like, I did not love the Seeger Sessions band, the Seeger Sessions album. I I did not. um, Now, once I saw the DVD of him performing in Ireland, I, I got that that live show was something special. But as far as the album itself, just, I didn't dislike it. It just didn't speak to me. Okay. Um, so I get that. But I think, so the answer is, I think that there is a, most people like it. They think it's interesting. But there is a percentage of us that, and I don't know if I'd say that it's his, it's his best album, but I would say that it's someone at 70 years old, this far into his career, to take this kind of creative chances, to do this kind of different, and then to do the film. I don't know if you've watched the Western Stars film. I have it on my Netflix saved, but I haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> um, I probably will want to have you come back because, you know, he tells the stories uh, between, you know, he talks about each story and they perform it live in his barn. Um, I think it's pretty special. And I think that um, – this is a gift he gave us this late in his career. Um, I hope he does an E Street Band again. I hope he tours again. I want to go again. But um, this has been—I think it's been something pretty special. Yeah, I. The thing that I love about it, just as a casual fan, is that I love the sense of place of it. It, yeah. it, the whole album just takes you to the West and. To me, like like several like the the, the best the the U two albums that I love the most over the years, like yeah. the Joshua Tree takes you to the desert, and yeah. Octung Baby takes you to Germany, and you know that industrial sound, and and I just I love that it is so true to itself, Western Stars, and just like there's there's no holding back in where you're supposed to be and where he wants you to be as you listen to this. I just and so yeah, I just I I love it so much. So I was always I was always curious about that. That's good. I'm glad. I like too. Um. That is that's fine. Um, any other final thoughts you want to share? No, other than just to say thank you, because uh, like I said, the, the the research into the Mary question and just seeing the you know the what I have discovered in the last four days into Bruce fandom is has just it's been like an absolute joy, and um, you know reminded me of the best things about YouTube fandom back in the day for me and some of the like I said the rabbit trails that we used to chase so. Just, you know, thank you for having me on and the opportunity to, to research. My, like, my appreciation for Bruce is, you know, like five times higher now than it was a week ago. And 
you know, I listened to, you know, Born to Run, I knew as an, you know, as a kid growing up, and mm-hmm. I probably hadn't listened to it in 10 years. And then I listened to it, you know, over the weekend. I'm like, God, this is so good. And, um, you know, yeah, it's just, it just sort of like reopened the, uh, the door of appreciation. So thank that you, is, Jesse. That is awesome. Um, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Oh gosh, uh, probably, I guess I'm most active on Twitter, uh, and it's just at Matt McGee, M-A-T-T-M-C-G-E-E. That's probably the best place. Okay, good. All right, hang tight while I do a little business. If you want to join me on the podcast, you know I'd love to have you. Um, every Springsteen fan has a story, and it's my job to capture all of them on digital tape. So reach out to me, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at jessejacksondfw. You can find the show on Twitter at setlustingbruce. If you go to setlustingbruce.com, our website from there, you can see, uh, you can go to um, our Patreon page if you want to kick a couple of bucks to support the podcast. You can go to, you can buy your uh, Does Mary Get in the Car t-shirt. Uh, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts and um, our archived vote songs. Uh, Matt, this has been a blast. Um, I, I loved talking to you so much. Um, I am so glad you shared of yourself. And um, it means a lot. I, I do want to end with something, and I, I hope I do this justice. Do not let this thing you got go to waste. Do not let your heart be dismayed. It's here by some random disclosure of grace from some vascular great thing. Get the F out of your head if it says, stay cold and be deathly afraid. Do not let your spirit wane. Do not let your spirit wane. I appreciate that your spirit isn't waning. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. Well, and that's, you know, I listened to the, I mean, you sent the links to those two episodes about the Mary question. And, I, yeah. and so I did listen to, to both of them. I, I, um, I didn't expect to listen to the entire second one because that was about an hour and a half long. Yes. And I thought, I'm, I'm just going to listen to the first 20, but it was really interesting. And so I just, I ended up listening to the whole thing. And what I, my impression as a first time listener was exactly what you just described. It sounds like it's just you and a friend sitting in line before the concert. And I love that. It's, it's yeah. really informal and chit chatty. And yeah, I, th- I mean, I think yeah. it's perfect. So. And so it's NFL draft season. And that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.